great, great to be uh, great to be back with you, uh, Steve. Thank you for opening up. Natalie, thanks for uh, for your reading uh, on musicians. It's great to have your uh, have your support. Now we've got this uh, passage before us, Acts chapter eight. It is well known by uh, some. It's for some, it's a, a, a new thing. Uh, I, I, I had the privilege of of preaching on this passage. Uh, some of you might remember it, Elijah's baptism, uh, which wasn't so. Uh, so long ago. So we're going to revisit it, but we're going to revisit it in a completely uh, fresh and uh, uh, a new way. Now, some of you might be aware that, that Clan Richards, uh, we've just moved house. And while I was sat uh, at the breakfast table uh, as I was preparing this, uh, this kind of thought came through my mind is how uh, effective is my witness going to be as I witness to my new neighbours? So I have this, we have this group of uh, other five houses that, that are on the little estate and where we, where we live. And this five houses, as far as we know, uh, we don't know any of them. I've spoken to one couple who are, who are Catholics and go to, to a church not uh, too far away from where we live. But that's it. So how effective am I going to be as a witness to my, to my neighbours? And then when I found out that I was preaching on this, this passage, I really felt the Lord say, this is what I want you to bring here this morning. So this question of being an effective witness, how effective are we as a witness is something we're going to look on a little bit a little bit later. So Acts chapter 8 then. Acts 1, where I'm going to go back to, uh, Hazel if you'd be so kind as to move the, move the slide on, tells us that we have to be the witnesses of Jesus. Acts 1 says this, when the power of the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And that was a promise, but it was also an instruction from Jesus himself before he ascended back to heaven. Now you've been making your way through the book of Acts. And you've been making your way through uh, what was sometimes called God's story of what happened next in the church. And this is where we are this morning. We've got this, the first seven chapters, we've got people witnessing in Jerusalem. And now in Acts 8, we start to see into Samaria. And as you will learn from, from this story of Acts, as God continues to build his church globally, it won't be long before this word of Jesus comes true that it will spread to the uttermost parts of the world. You see, God has used Philip, this man who was a, a, a leader in a church, not in, a, in, a, in an eldership role, but more of a deaconship role. He was a, a person who had this uh, very uh, desire to go and to share uh, the word of God. You see, we have a responsibility. Let's get this absolutely clear from the start. If we call ourselves a Christian, if we call ourselves a member of God's family, if we say we believe in Jesus and we trust wholeheartedly in who he is and what he has done for us, then we are part of that statement that you will be my witnesses. You see, and here we have now this example of Philip doing just that, of Philip being one of God's witnesses. You see, God has used Philip to bring about revival in Samaria. And now the Spirit of God calls Philip away from Samaria, away from this mass evangelism, if you will, to go and to speak to one individual, to go and to speak to one specific person. You see, 
Philip is now called to go and share the gospel on a one-to-one, an individual basis. Now, there'll be some of you that are thinking, like, come on, Ash. Me? Share my faith with somebody? I'll get all tongue-tied. I'll sound stupid. I'll say the wrong thing. I won't come out with the right answers. I'll walk away from that situation thinking, oh, I wish I'd said that, and I wish I'd said this, and I wish I'd said something else. Join the club. Every single one of us does that whenever we engage in conversation. But the point is this. We are engaging in conversation, or rather we should be engaging in conversation. So my purpose this morning from our passage together is to think on this question. How effective am I when I witness for Christ? How effective am I when I witness for Christ? Now that is a huge challenge. I'm not going to stand here this morning and someone is say, right, there's 15 things to go and do, off you go, and you will see soul saved. I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I'm saying is we need to take the example of what Philip did, and there are six things within this little uh, passage that we're going to share together this morning, of well, the things that Philip did that show he is an effective witness for Christ. And if we take our example from Scripture... We take our example from the word of God, then we will go and we will be effective witnesses. So to be an effective witness, I believe there are areas in which we need to get things right. The first of which is this, we need to be in touch with the spirit of God. We need to be in touch with the spirit of God. We need to be listening for what God is saying. Oh, it's all going, it's all going, it's all giving the sermon away. <laughs> that was very good, isn't it? Look, we finished. Right, that's it. Put your Bibles up, we go. We'll bend that, Hazel. Don't, uh, don't worry about it. So we need to be in an area where we are listening to the Spirit of God. You see, God will speak to you through his Spirit. And the first verse of our little section this morning gives us that uh, loud and clear because the, Philip is listening to the Spirit of God, and God says to him, go and do. And so Philip immediately goes and does. If that's the proper use of the English language, I very much doubt it, but you get my point. Philip instantly listens to what the Spirit of God is saying. You see, the passage says an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now look, we could go back and forth all day, as to how the angel of the Lord spoke to him, what was it like, what did it look like. I say this reverently and I say this carefully, it doesn't really matter. What really matters in this context is this, is that Philip was in touch with the Spirit of God. You see, the first evidence of Philip being an effective witness, and therefore the thing that we should latch on to to be an effective witness, is this, is that when God speaks, we are in tune, listening to the Spirit of God, and we understand exactly what God says. So that when God says, go and do, we goes and does, to carry on with the theme. We get this point where actually we listen to what God has said, and we are obedient to God's word. He was obedient immediately to the Spirit of God. Verse 27 says, he rose and he went. He didn't say, oh, okay, God, well, I'll go if you tell me exactly where I am going, 
and exactly what's going to happen along the way. Here's my, uh, my challenge to you this morning. How many times in your church life, if you have a, had a, an experience of church life, have you sung or said, Lord, have your way in me? And then the Lord says, okay, go and do this, or go and serve there, and go and share with that person. And we go, um, well, um, well, well, what about if I do the dishes? Or what about if I, if I do this? Or, or what about if I go, well, no, that's not really me. I, I can't really do that. And, and we all of a sudden become racing driver expertise in the, ex in the uh, excuses that we bring before the Lord. I'm sorry to be blunt, but that's not good enough. We as God's people need to be listening and in tune with the Spirit of God so that when he says go, we go and we do. So I guess the challenge is this. Are we in tune enough with the Spirit of God that when we get direction from it, we understand that direction, and not only do we understand it, but we act on it as well? If we don't, we are not going to be an effective witness. You see, God doesn't work to our plans. There's an age-old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. What we need to do is this, that we are subject to God's will. And we should be living our lives by it. And that's how it should be. We should go where you want us, where God wants us to go. If you want to be an effective witness for Jesus, we need to be in tune with the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God has to say to us, and we are obedient to his leadings we need to be sensitive to the leading and guidance of the spirit of god so our passage goes on and we are introduced to this ethiopian eunuch this unnamed man he's a man of of great wealth in a world of donkeys this man has a chariot luke refers as we as natalie read to us to his position within the queen's court he is a wealthy man and yet still this wealthy man needs the gospel you see, he's not just a wealthy man, he's what we call a proselyte. Someone who was uh, clearly converted to Judaism and has come to the temple to worship in Jerusalem. You see, that this encounter with the Ethiopian tells me this. The gospel is for everyone. Rich, poor, white, black, no matter which part of the world you come from, the gospel is the message that we all need to hear. And I'm glad to see that there are people nodding along, along with me. This is the message that Jesus gives. This is the message that Jesus instructs us to go and to share. We want to be in tune with the Spirit of God. We want to be an effective witness. This is the message that we have. We preached Christ crucified and raised from the dead. That is it. You see, Romans 1.16 tells me this. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It is for everyone. You see, the message of Jesus is, a, world, is a, a message this world needs to hear. Imagine what life would like if we had business leaders, world leaders, social leaders who were actively engaging in a relationship with Christ. Instead of world leaders running around trying to be the biggest, most pumped up ego going, who actually said... Jesus gives me an example of leading by serving. Jesus gives me an example of how to put others before myself. And that's just not for world leaders. 
Imagine if we had a town that did that. We had a town of people that were engaging within relationship with Christ. It is a message that has the power to change the lives of everyone who hears it. If we are being effective as witnesses for Jesus in the world that we live, and surely we need to make absolutely sure that we share the message of God with everyone we come into contact with when we get the opportunity. Not just the people we like, not just the people we're comfortable with, but with everyone. You know when you strike up a conversation with somebody and you think, oh, that person's very intelligent. You know, you start talking about calculus in the way that we would talk about cheese scone recipes. You know, that sort of thing. And you think, oh, there's no way I can engage that person in conversation. Why not? Would you think just because they can blind you with long words? Is our God not more intelligent than man? If God will give you the words to say, he will give you the opportunity to say it. He will also give you the opportunity to say it no matter who the person that you're talking to is. You see, Jesus preached to multitudes. And he went out of his way to change the lives of the outcast, and so should we. So, we go back to this Ethiopian man. He's sitting in his chariot, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. So the custom of the day was that he would read the scripture aloud. And the spirit speaks to Philip again, and says, draw here to him. And again, we're not told how he speaks. Again, it doesn't matter. What the fact of the matter is this. Philip obeys, and he goes. So verse 30, now, keep following down with me, it gives us our next challenge for this morning. Philip ran to the chariot. If we're going to be effective in our witness for Christ, then we need to witness, as my slides let me down, enthusiastically. Now, I know we're British, and I know that enthusiasm, enthusiasm is somehow frowned upon as that's what foreigners do. But there comes a point when we have a message to tell. If we have a message to tell, then telling it with a face that like a bulldog chewing a wasp is not going to encourage anybody. Think of those people that when you walk around a town centre, the people that I'm talking about, they have matching t-shirts and clipboards and they're normally trying to flog a charity or something or other. You know? They literally bounce into your path, don't they? Yeah? And they're the sort of people that, if you're somebody like me who thinks, please don't stop me. I'm, I'm really struggling to be polite. Please don't stop me. Just, just go and bug somebody else. But those sort of people, rightly or wrongly, we have a message to share with people around us that if we are going to be an effective witness, we need to do it enthusiastically. If we look like we've been hit with a shovel, nobody is going to believe the message that we're trying to give them. I use this carefully, and I say this carefully not to offend anybody. Think of a salesperson. I don't know how many of you are salespeople. I don't, you know, I please, if I am offending somebody, I, well, I don't mind really, but. <laughs> if you are a salesperson and you go on a sales technique course, the person who is delivering that course and telling you how to sell whatever UPVC windows it is for this week, but they're not telling you to do it and be dull, are they? They're telling you to engage. They're telling you to interact. They're telling you to do cold reading, to read off people's reactions and 
Are they willing to bite and are you get a bit of money out of them and all the rest of it? I'm not saying for one moment we should be like that. But the point is, we have a message to share that has the power to literally change someone's life and to change their eternity. So why be miserable when we tell them about it? Peter, or rather Philip, ran to that chariot. That's what the word of God says. He ran to that chariot. You see, Philip makes a beeline for the chariot, and he knows that God has brought him to this point. Why? Because he is in tune with what the Spirit of God says. He is willing to share that message, and he's willing to do it enthusiastically. You see, this is exactly what God does for us every time we get an opportunity to share the message of Jesus with the people we meet. God has brought us and that person together at that moment in time. Why? Because we have an opportunity to share his message. You see, those people that I mentioned with the clipboards and the t-shirts, they are enthused about their product. They are enthused about the product that they're going to promote. You wouldn't get a, a job in a, in a market and be dull as paint. People would never buy it. So more importantly, can you imagine telling somebody that Jesus is the best news and the best message that he can have and being completely and utterly boring. You couldn't do it, could you? Because ultimately, what's that saying to that person? I don't care. It's not really my thing. It's all right. I just feel like I've sort of got to, really. You know? It's about actually being and believing and showing the world that we believe in what we believe in and why we believe what we believe. You see, we have a hope that is steadfast, certain, immovable, and unshakable. And if we're going to be an effective witness for Jesus, we need to share that hope with the world enthusiastically. But can I put it with one caveat? Not over the top and not unbelievable. It should be a point that actually this is our life. This is who we are. So Philip ran, and he's exi excited to tell the, the person in his chariot that the Lord has pointed to him. And then Philip starts something else in carrying on in verse 30. He starts a discussion. Because he hears the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And he says to him, do you understand what you're reading? Anybody with a minor grasp of the English language can realize that that is a question. If you start with a question, you enter into discussion. Unless you're a politician, of course. <laughs> if we are going to be effective witnesses for Jesus, then it comes a point that we must make contact we must actually speak to somebody now before you all say yes but i live my life in a way that examples jesus then that's great i am not knocking that for one moment i hope people look at you and they see a loving caring gentle compassionate merciful person who has time for everybody who is willing to put themselves out for everyone and i hope and pray that they see that but here's my comeback to that what are you going to say when that person says why do you behave like that there's a few people that have just sat up and looked very nervous all of a sudden. What are you going to say when somebody says, why do you behave like that? At some point, you are, as our Bible tells me, going to be called to give a reason for the hope that we have. If we don't preach Jesus then, what are you going to say? You cannot show people why you are different from the world. You cannot show what makes you tick. 
what makes you follow Jesus. To be an effective witness, at some point, we're going to have to preach Jesus. We're going to have to discuss. We're going to have to question. We're going to have to answer. We're going to have to give a reason for the hope that we have. Let me put it this way before we move on. It is highly unlikely that your neighbours are going to be watching you for years. One day, turn up your house, knock on your door and say, I've been watching you for years now, what must I do to be saved? I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's highly unlikely. So what are we going to do? It's about looking for a way to make contact or to engage. You see, Philip started by asking a question. And that question leads to discussion. And Philip engages the Ethiopian in conversation. He hears the man reading from this section of Isaiah. And Philip says, and this Ethiopian says to him, how can I know what I'm reading unless someone guides me? In other words, I don't know what this scripture means. Can you help me to understand? To be an effective witness, we need to know what the scripture says and use it to share Jesus. The only thing that will really help somebody understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is by reading the word of God. This isn't about us being theologians. It isn't about having enough knowledge to share the gospel in Greek and Hebrew and any other language that we fancy. This is about having enough knowledge to share the gospel and to know the different passages that you can use to evidence what the scripture is saying. Of course, the Lord will help you in this. The Lord will give you the words. But he will do it by helping you recall from memory what the word of God says. So in verse 35, Philip opens his mouth. And beginning at the same scripture that this man was reading, he went on to tell him all about Jesus from there. So this Ethiopian is reading, he is led like a lamb to the slaughter. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Well, what's the Lamb of God? Well, let me tell you all about it. And from there on in, you go in to say, you talk about the Lamb of God. You talk about the fact that the Lamb was given in sacrifice. You talk about that Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God and Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And so on you go. But it all starts not with, well, I'm going to bounce to my favorite passage that I can remember. Not that I'm going to get my Bible out, hold it up by the spine and wait for, wait for Steve to tell me to go. This is the fact that actually we know what the scriptures say and that where we start in conversation, we go from the word of God. If we're going to use the scriptures, then we need to know what the Bible says. It's not just about being, under, as I said, being able to understand every Hebrew word for whatever passage you're reading. It's about being able to explain to someone who Jesus is and what Jesus has done from the word of God and from examples in your life. Can you imagine this whole account if Philip had no idea who Isaiah was? What imagine if he says, well, I don't know. Let me go to my church on Sunday and let me get my commentaries out and I'll find out and tell you. Yes, there is a time for that. Because you'll get asked a question one day and you've gone, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. But you will get caught out. There is a time for that. But when it comes to this and sharing things about Jesus, when somebody is hungry and somebody hungers after something, then we need to feed them the word of God. If we're going to be an effective witness for Jesus, 
Focus everything you say on Jesus. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his perfect sacrificial death. That the point, that's the whole point of the gospel. The fact that he was raised back to life. The fact that he is returning. You see, the power of the gospel is the cross. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to those who are saved. Go to the essentials of the cross, sharing about the gospel of Jesus. The cross itself, the substitutionary death, the miraculous resurrection of Jesus. All these things are the centre of what we hold on to as Christians. It's the centre of the Christian faith. It's the things that we would all hold on to. It's the reason for the hope that we have. And so then, that's where we start. We get to the cross and we get to the centre of the message. So as we move on then, verse 36. As they went on their way, they came to a body of water. And the eunuch asked, what stops me from being baptised? And they both go into the water and Philip baptises the eunuch there. The instruction of Jesus is given out by Philip to go and to be baptised. And Jesus instructs every single person who, call, who calls him Lord to go through the waters of baptism as an outward expression of what Jesus has done on the inside of your heart. That's it. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you saved. It's an expression of showing what Jesus has done. Then we come to what some of you might have missing from your Bible in verse 37. I don't know why some versions admit it, uh, and I don't want to get into that now, but the point of verse 37 is this. There are times when to be an effective witness for Jesus, if we had shared his message, then there will be times that we need to ask for a response. Now look, I'm not asking you to ca carry around soft music on your phone to help you, or to get somebody to raise a hand in public, or to come to the front of whatever thing you're talking about at the moment, to go off into a side room and discuss. I'm not talking about that. I'm simply telling, asking, is there, does there come a time if this person has heard the gospel from you, you've shared it based in scripture, focused on Jesus, and then ask them, what are they going to do next? There needs to come to a point where we respond to what the word of God says. Commit their lives to Jesus or walk away. You see, Philip was an ordinary man, a servant who served with the other men. He was a man who God used to share his word and God spoke through him. Philip had given him the message and he has confessed to believing wholeheartedly in Jesus. And what followed him was baptism. You see, the baptism that Jesus talks about, the baptism that is ex ex exampled in scripture, as I said, it's that outward pouring of what's happened on the inside. I also believe that the two events should not be that far away from each other, conversion and baptism, but that's for another time and another conversation. You see, this is where we come to. If we're going to be an effective witness, and with this I close, if we're going to be an effective witness, we need to get ourselves in a position where we know what the Word of God says, where we understand that we are in tune with the Spirit, that we are sharing the message of God enthusiastically, that we give a reason for the hope that we have. 
We look out on a world that is lost. We look out on a world that seems to be falling apart at the seams. And yet here we are. We sit, I don't know how many of us there are this morning, but we all have the opportunity to go out tomorrow, today, the people that we meet, and to give them a message that can change their lives and can change their destiny. So what are we going to take from the example of Philip? Well, I think it should be this that we should be challenged by the word of God this morning. How are we effective witnesses? Are we effective witnesses? If we're not, we've been challenged. No, more than that, we've been instructed by our Lord Jesus that we will be his witnesses. What are we going to do about it? The Lord bless you. Let's pray.